Welcome to Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve podcast, where you get a guaranteed return on investment of your time as we cut your learning curve with the information you can apply to your farming operation immediately. Extreme Ag, we've already made the mistakes, so you don't have to. Managing your farm's water resources is a critical component to a successful and sustainable farming operation. Advanced Drainage Systems helps farmers just like you increase their yields up to 30% with their technologically advanced water management products. Visit ADSPipe.com to see how they can keep your business flowing. Now, here's your host, Damian Mason. Well, greetings and welcome to another fantastic episode of Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve. We've got a great program for you today. We're talking about PGRs, plant growth regulators. If you're a regular listener and viewer, we've covered this topic a couple of times, but you know what? It's such a cool subject. And it's also something that I think is going to be used more and more on more acres for all of agriculture. A lot of people don't even know what plant growth regulators are or what they do. So that's where we're going to make sure we do it justice. We've got a guest today. His name is Matt Thompson. He's with Hefty Seed or Hefties, and he's going to tell us exactly what he is. He's been on here before. Uh, he's going to be our resident expert. We've also got Lee Lubers, one of the founding uh, founding members, if you will, of Extreme Ag, uh, South Dakota farm operator, who also is quite a veteran. He has been using plant growth regulators, as he says, before the cool kids did. So anyway, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Matt Thompson, Lee Lubers. Hello. P. G-R. I didn't have any idea what these things were. I own farms. I was raised on a farm. My buddies are farmers. And I think it was Kelly Garrett that started talking about, yeah, you know what they need to do. They'd be using these PGRs. And I said, PGR. He says, yeah, once Lee Lubers turned me on to PGRs, I'm not looking back. What's a plant growth regulator, Matt? Yeah, so it's an interesting term because if you really think about a PGR in general form, Dicamba, 2,4-D, Stinger, all herbicides that we use in, in our current crop rotations to kill weeds. Those in definition are plant growth regulators. Uh, but the things that we talk about with benefiting the crop are more called plant growth hormones, but they all get lumped in together with the PGR term. So, you know, when Dicamba, 2,4-D, products like Stinger uh, get used in minute amounts, you can actually potentially get a benefit. Now, can't talk about that, but they're in the same category as uh, some of these other plant growth hormones. Now, the hormones that we talk about and using from a beneficial state, ultimately what we're trying to do is we're trying to create an imbalance within the plant that the plant has to recover from um, by producing other hormones to create its back to self to balance. Why Lee Lubers 20 years ago what did you look at on your farm and see that said, hey, I'm going to start doing this thing. I'm going to start treating my crops with a plant growth regulator. Well, I might have been the kid who sat in the back of the chemistry class sleeping a lot because I was felt kind of bored. But uh, once my brother and I got farming, uh, we got thinking about how can we be better? How can we raise better crops? And part of that was initiating triggers within the plant. And that's where PGRs come into play. Uh, they're the ultimate tool for that. Uh, they're natural substances. Uh, like if you even look when you plant a crop and have, your rooting has started and your exudates, all that is taking place, you're making small, very tiny amounts of kenotins and IBAs 
these different whoa, whoa, whoa. Keenatons and IBAs real quickly. Your plant is, is growing. And then what are these things? Uh, Kenaton is a cytokinin. It's a, a substance and it's for cell division and, and shoot growth. It is in a class of plant uh, growth hormones. Uh, IBA it's not IPA. IPA is a beer that'll make your head buzz. IBA, endobatrilic acid. I'm probably butchering the name because, again, I slept in chemistry class. Uh, affectionately known as IBA, that is uh, an auxin, and an auxin is need, needed to be in presence of a kenotin as a base. Then they both take off, and it's synergistic for cell growth. So you have very tiny amounts of that going on in the soil, but when you apply these products, you're giving it what it needs. You're giving it a lot, much larger dose and you're really stimulating the plant. You're getting cell division, shoot growth. Uh, in the case of IBA, it really helps promote root growth. Uh, you know, it's systemic in the plant. So you're doing good things for the plant. And like even in our operation, we put on like microcycle, nutricycle from Hefty Naturals. We know we're stimulating those chains within the plant, those triggers. And then we're using a PGR on top of it. So we're giving it a boost is how we're doing it. All right. So you, you gave me a lot of interesting stuff there, but I want to go back to the two sentence answer to the question. What problem did you seek to solve 20 years ago? Because I sure as hell wasn't using plant growth regulators 20 years ago. And I didn't even know what they were until six months ago. What problem did you look at that made you say, I'm going to need to use this family of products that almost nobody's ever heard of? We wanted to alleviate every bad day that a plant's going to have. Mother nature's throwing a lot at us and PGRs help us with that. They promote growth when we'd be sitting literally dormant otherwise or stagnant is helping push the plant through uh different challenges and growth periods and into the vegetative states he just said uh, matt that it eliminates bad days for that plant and then he also said it helps it grow isn't there another component that also restricts growth so answer each of those if you would eliminates bad days promotes growth, but also restricts growth. Tell me all of those things, if you can, from a, from a layman's chem chemistry uh, standpoint. Sure. So let's, let's put it this way. You have three main hormonal classes that we'll talk about uh, within a product. And, and Lee brought up cytokinins. You brought up auxins. And then the other one that I'll throw out there is gibberellic acid. So we look at a product like Rise Up Smart Grass, for instance. That is straight gibberellic acid. And what that does is it tells the signal in the plant to stretch cells, not split them. So you're sending a signal to a plant to create more roughage or more vegetative growth. And when that product is used correctly, uh, you can create more tonnage. So we recommend that uh, when people have, say, silage ground, they know they're going to chop this crop for silage, um, we can increase the tonnage on that acre by making a application of three tenths of an ounce of rise up early in the season. Um, you know, you look at what gibberellic acid is responsible for in the plant. Not only are we splitting or stretching cells with jib, but the other thing that we do is gibberellic acid is the signal to the plant to begin the germination process. So if we have really cooled soils or cool soils, 
the plant has a hard time being able to process and uh, be able to recognize the gibberellic acid it makes and, and processes. So if we can feed some gib to the plant, we can create and trigger signals in the plant to do things that are naturally to the plant. So that's gibberellic acid. Auxins force root growth. So when you look at a product uh, like Megagrow, for instance, it's a glyphosate safened product. It's patented as a glyphosate safener. Specifically, what that means is, is the plant has to look at herbicide and decide, is this a toxin or is this something that I can metabolize and grow through? And that requires spending energy within the plant to dictate that decision. When you add Megagrow to the tank, you're giving it a big load of an auxin and a little bit of cytokinin, but you're triggering that plant to metabolize that herbicide faster. So you're giving it a tool that the plant needs to metabolize a herbicide. Uh, you know, there's a big conversation around auxin dominated plants and cytokinin dominated plants. And early in the season, when we're trying to put rapid root growth out, put rapid root hair development into the plant, we want that plant to be auxin dominated. Uh, so by incorporating PGRs that have auxins in the tank, we can continue to trigger creating more auxins in the plant that creates more roots. Um, when we talk about impacting uh, the development of a plant or potentially shortening the plant, uh, when you look at cytokinin in a product like Megagrow, we can get stacking of nodes on a particular soybean plant. Cytokinin is a reproductive trigger, number one, but number two, it's a cell division trigger. So we can divide cells as opposed to stretching cells like we do with gibberellic acid. Um, the more stacking that we get of nodes, the more potential we have at putting an extra node on a plant, which gives us an extra flowering uh, body, which gives us potential to more yield. So those are the positive sides around putting plant growth hormones in your crop rotation. There are some negatives. Um, and those are the big things around if you have an auxin dominated product and you spray that during a reproductive timing, you're sending cross signals to the plant that are supposed to be focused on reproductive, not putting on more root stimulation. Um, you could spray a plant growth hormone at 90 plus degrees and have a negative yield response because the plant's naturally trying to shut down, conserve energy, conserve moisture, when you're giving it the tools that says, put yourself on a treadmill and start running. So there's a lot of positives that we can do when it comes to plant growth hormones, but there's some caution that we have to talk about as well. Uh, it sounds unnatural, Lee. Uh, you know, everything that I thought you were trying to do, you know, you want to create the, the right soil about the fertility. And then here we are uh, throwing artificial hormones. I mean, if you did this to the, if you did this to your uh, livestock, then the, the doogers would say, I can't eat that meat. It's fact, it's, it's Franken food. Is it, is it weird that we're throwing hormones on and we, we spray it over the top, don't we? Or do we put it down at planting? How does this happen? Uh, we can go either way. Uh, we'll take like mega grow and we'll put it in furrow at planting. If we do that, uh, we are pushing the plant to come out of the ground faster and it's systemic staying in the plant. Then we would probably not come back in during the vegetative state with another auxin. We do not want to overload the plant because we've already, we've already given a huge amount of stimulation. If we don't go in furrow, then we'll go foliar. And then back to the safener aspect that Matt uh, brought up, that's a very good point to bring up because uh, 
Mega Girl, that product is the that's what drew us to that product. It was the only thing patented as a safener for Roundup. And between the plant thinking, you know, hey, is it friend or foe? Between that can shut down your plant, and then also uh, the manganese tie up in yellow flash. Uh, Mega Girl alleviates that, and that matters a lot because if you shut down that plant for three days, like on a soybean, that can be an entire node on your soybean that it's missed out on in development because it was trying to deal with the chemistry that you applied without. Right, so just walk me through that soybean example right there. Uh, we've got soybean, we got Roundup Ready soybeans starting in 1996 or something like mm -hmm. that. It'd been around a while. And you said a couple of things, or you said a safener. And then you said, so we're using something that's a plant growth hormone, which is what we're talking about today to make, mm -hmm. to make the plant respond differently, even though that plant was already genetically made to not have a reaction to glyphosate. Why do I need that? And then you said something about a mode that wouldn't have happened. I want you to explain that again uh, in a little different way. That's more easy for somebody like me to understand. Okay. Uh, when we apply that with our roundup, that's mega girl is patented as a safener for roundup. The only PGR that we Why can Why does it find. need a safener? Pardon? Why do I need a safener? It needs tie up or what they know is also is, very widely known as yellow flash and it helps alleviate that and we're, when you're doing that you basically you stalled out your plant because it's trying to process everything that's going on uh, from that chemistry pass and if you add the mega grow to it it's like matt said friend or foe it's recognized that pass as a friend that what you applied for chemistry it didn't shut down your plant for as long as 72 hours while you're trying to metabolize and work through that process, it's jumpstarting you and your plant's not stopping moving. And during that time, that can be an entire node development in your soybean. Matt, contribute. Yeah, regardless, regardless of what herbicide that you apply on a plant, that plant could have the tools that it needs to, you know, be resistance to glyphosate. But that plant still has to metabolize. It still has to decide, is this something that's going to kill me or something that I need to grow through? And when we incorporate MegaGrow into the tank that are natural hormones that the plant already has, we're just giving it in a higher concentration to basically overcome what the glyphosate's trying to do by killing the plant. So, I mean, it's, it's giving the tools in the toolbox that the plant needs to speed that process up of getting the glyphosate out of its system where it doesn't skip a beat. You know, Lee talks about missing a node on a plant and, and specifically in soybeans, that's the flowering node. Um, you know, on average, we'll get anywhere from 16 to 20 nodes on a plant that will produce some sort of flower. Well, in order for the reproductive stages to happen in a soybean, you have to have a node. That node has to put a flower on. That, that flower has to be pollinated. It has, to, it has to survive and turn into a pod. That pod has to fill with seed and the seed has to go to viable maturity in order for us to harvest. So if one of those critical steps gets missed, you lose the potential towards yield. So if I have a plant and I spray glyphosate on it and it takes three extra days for that plant to metabolize or it shuts itself down to go into uh, flight or flight mode, we're giving up potential yield because we no longer have that node that's being generated on the plant. Well, that's step one of a seven or eight step process of making yield on a plant. 
So we never want to take that plan off the trail. We always want to keep that plant growing. This is all new to me, frankly. And uh, it's, it's, it's some of our listeners probably it is too. Matt, you said you're, or Lee, you said you're using these 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Give me some background. You started, uh, using, you started using them before anybody else did. Did people talk about you and say, that guy's nuts? Oh, every day. <laughs> uh, this is actually even, I mean, we barely even had dial-up internet yet. Uh, actually started researching it just through uh, books and reading. And I've always been fascinated by what they do in the horticulture and vegetable market and turf markets, because they very intensively manage and maximize their production and investments. They were 20 years ahead of us in PGR use. And you're going, hey, they're doing it, maximizing their production. Why can't we? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so... You uh, and Chad is the same way. You like to look at what's going on in specialty crops because that's where some of the best ideas and new cutting edge technology is coming from. So 20 years ago, you started using it. This product Mega Grow that Hefties has, uh, Matt, how old is it? Goodness, Lee, you were the first one to use it. Um, in fact, you, you were the one to bring it to us. So um, I think it's been around since 2002. Uh, and I think it got its patent in 2007 or 2008 in regards to being a glyphosate safe and product. Uh, I know actively we've sold this product since the early 2000s. Another product you have called Inertia. What's it do? Yeah, so Inertia is completely different than Mega Grow. Um, where is we talk still, about is it still what you call plant growth hormone? It is. Yeah. So, you know, what we call an oxid dominated product like Mega Grow, where we're forcing root growth and we're, we're forcing early season activities in a plant. What, what inertia is, is giving the tools to the plant to be productive during reproductive timing. So cytokinin on top of being a cell division type product is also the trigger in the plant uh, to be more efficient during reproductive timing. So in corn, uh, the more cytokinin we can put in the plant, the more potential we have it filling out an ear. Uh, we see less likelihood of tip back. And then in soybeans, uh, cytokinin push, puts a flush of flowers on the individual nodes of the plant. Now, the plant has to still keep those flowers, but we're sending the signal to the plant to generate more flowers on each individual node. The difference of inertia versus some of the other products that are in the marketplace is, is you can put a single cytokinin type product out on a plant and you'll put that plant on a treadmill and make it run Um, you'll put all new flowers on the plant, but there's no additional tools in the toolbox to save those flowers or hold those flowers for yield. Uh, Inertia has two additional things in the tank, one being chlorine chloride, the other being GABA or GABA. Um, Those two particular products interact within the chlorophyll of the leaf tissue, um, making more chlorophyll or more energy sites that we can create um, more food and sugar and carbohydrates to fill out the kernels or fill out the pods that each flower is generating. So that's what makes inertia different than anything else. Inertia goes on corn and soybeans. Mega grows just on soybeans. Mega grows uh, corn or soybeans doesn't oh. matter, but it's mega grow is mega grows timing is either in furrow or herbicide timing. Okay. Um, where inertia is just during the reproductive timing. In furrow or at, when you're when you're going over the top with herbicide for mega grow and inertia is when. Just at the reproductive timing. 
And so you've got to absolutely time it. And then you're going over the top. Are you treating it? Are you putting it with anything else? Uh, with, with, uh, inertia. Yeah. I mean, you can, you can run inertia by itself. A lot of people have success by mixing it with their fungicide past. Okay. Um, so when guys are, or growers making that fungicide application, um, it's a great timing to put, to put inertia in the tank. And you know, ultimately what we're trying to do with inertia specifically in corn is create more viable pollen that will feed more viable embryos that'll turn into kernels and fill out the year. So we lose the ability of tip back. And soybeans, we generate more flowers. We're giving the plant the tools that it needs to hold the flowers. By holding the flowers, we generate more potential at yield. So those are the two critical things about inertia um, it, during that reproductive timing state. Lee Lubers, your experience, uh, you've been doing this for a long time. You stuck with it. You told other people in Extreme Ag, and you tell anybody that's going to watch this recording right here or listen to what we're recording right here to use this stuff. Uh, experiences. Uh, one of the mistakes that we have seen over the years of other people trying PDRs is waiting late in the vegetative states going, we need a huge amount of leaf mass to spray. No, you don't. You can spray your crops when they're small because you're initiating the triggers with the plant. What you're thinking about is what you're getting on that plant to get it up and rocking. And like a mega grow style product, you're wanting to do that. You're wanting that's the way you're wanting to go during the vegetative cycle. So getting it in the plant earlier is better. It'll give you a bigger impact. Okay. That's why I was also going to wonder, like, you know, uh, you talk about like Roundup, for instance, you know, there's no residual. It don't matter. You know, we, you, you spray some stuff and once, once, once you've done it and it's done, it's absorbed by the plant, but you're saying this stuff, you spray it on there. It, it's, it stays with the plant. Yes. And that's why you wouldn't want to go pushing right up to reproductive phase, because if you're doing that with uh, the mega growth styled product with that ratio in there and pushing it, you're telling it to keep growing. And uh, like on corn, let's just say if you went in like V10, something like that with it, you're giving it the wrong signals coming into reproduction and you're trying to tell it to go do this. That's when we did it one time playing around on a couple fields and it did what we suspected it would do. It gave mixed signals and we had ear shanks that were almost a foot long connecting the ears. It looked, it was, it was a risk that we took, but that's how we learn. And we go, Nope, we're not going to do that again. That's where we're excited about the PGR styled productive because if they're styled to reproductive phase, they're doing this. They're promoting flowering and then holding the fruits of it, aka the grain. And years ago, we could initiate triggers to promote flowering, but we couldn't hold the flowers. Now, with the products that we have access to, we can hold the flowers. Man, is the benefit just pure yield? Is I mean, is that when you, if you're on my farm and I say, hey, you know what, I've never used these. Why do I need to use them? Are you going to say? Answer number one, yield. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I'd say in previous conversations, we've talked about offensive versus defensive type products. Right. Inertia being very much an offensive products. And I would tell growers to be on the conservative side. I mean, if I'm trying to push yield, if I'm trying to maximize uh, yield and, and I've got the, you know, the nutrients and the moisture and I'm not drought stressed, inertia is a product that I'm going to roll into that, that rotation 
uh, or that spray mix come reproductive timing. But if I've got a plant that's under high stress already and I don't have what I think is going to be to maximize yield, I may pull back a little bit and not look at inertia. I mean, inertia is a very offensive product. Mega Grow, on the other hand, I think is a very defensive product. And the reason why I say that is you look at the detriment to what glyphosate does to a plant, right or wrong, you got to have glyphosate for to kill weeds. And weeds are worse to yield than what the glyphosate damages to a plant. Right. But there is but some damage. There is some damage when I use glyphosate over those, even though they're Roundup ready crops, I'm still. Yeah, but the plant still crop. has to metabolize it. It's burning energy to decide if we're going to keep this or not. So by putting Mega Grow in the tank, you're putting defensive tools in play to speed that process up. So, I mean, in one, one scenario, inertia, absolutely. I'd say that is yield. Um, you know, the yield difference that you get with mega grow on the other hand, I think is the yield that you've protected. Uh, I mean, the difference between treated and untreated mega grow historically, you know, the gains that you have seen on those treatments in my mind are defensive and what we've been able to hold on to that plant versus not. I'm just ecstatic that you remember our prior conversations that we talked about. Is this, is this a product for using to play offense or is it a product for using to play defense? I mean, that's, it's just, I, my day is made that Matt Thompson with hefties remembered something that we talked about in a previous recording. Yeah. It's a thing called a notebook. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> it's uh, you always be prepared. Most of the acres in the United States of America don't have plant growth regulators uh, treated on them. Right. I, I mean, I don't know, because if you were to ask me plant growth regulators in general term, there's probably 90 million acres worth of 2,4-D and dicamba that are going to get sprayed this year on, okay. on, on soybean plants. So, I mean, that, that's, that's the point that I think people have to understand is if you look at plant growth regulators in the most general term, we've been working with this technology since 1956. I mean, that's when dicamba 2,4-D both came out. So we're, we're in the late fifties. I mean, we've had this technology for that amount of time. It's just used in different ways. So, I mean, yes, the plant growth hormones products that we talk about that are benefiting crops, um, we treat a lot of acres. Um, okay. We want, we, we feel confident with MegaGrow that any time a grower is making a herbicide application, especially in soybeans, MegaGrow should, should be in that tank um, just for the defensive nature that that product is bringing. Um, and we have a lot of acres out there that get treated that way. It stays in the plant. It doesn't stay in the soil. Am I right? Correct. Okay, so if I spray this out there and then I harvest that crop and I want to do something completely different next year, I want to grow organic pumpkins, whatever, uh, this stuff doesn't stick around, right? Until your heart's content, doesn't matter. Got it. What do I need to know that we didn't cover here, Lee? You gave us one of the mistakes that you made early on. Uh, the person that's skeptical uh, is probably going to say, yeah, but I don't know if I need to spend that money. What are we talking about? How much are we talking about that you spend and what you think the return on it is? It's been low cost, high return for us in the history of our operation. That's why it's a standard practice. Uh, it's, it's just worked for us on multiple levels. Uh, getting the plant out of the ground, get it growing right, uh, initiating the triggers, handling stress better, you know. Uh, and I agree with Matt. If, if I was coming into flowering heading time and terrible drought, maybe I wouldn't want to use the PGR that's styled to promote the plant to set more fruit because right then it's just trying to hang on to the next rain. 
but earlier definitely want to use a PGR because it's going to make it handle stress a lot better. Uh, it's going to handle the weather and the cold and the heat. It's going to handle it better. Can you give me uh, we always talk ROI, Matt, can you, am I spending $10 to make 50? Am I spending $5 to make 17? What are we thinking here? I hate to say I mean, it, it depends. On, it depends on how much we put on. I know. Yeah. But. No, I mean, I, I mean, it's a two ounce rate of, I mean, mega grow in particular, two ounce rate, you're talking less than five bucks an acre. Mm-hmm. Um, but of all the years that we've used mega grow and all the documented studies that we've had, the win rate on this product is 96%. And I hate saying that number because of all products that I have in my portfolio of everything that we sell, there's not another thing on the planet that is as consistent as what mega grow is. Uh, and that's why we have the confidence that we say when you spray glyphosate, especially in soybeans, MegaGrow has to be in that tank. Yeah. Um, just, from, a, from, a, from a yield increase just yeah. last year, uh, the con- the trials that we did last year was 2.2 bushel uh, in soybeans. Historically, we see anywhere from two to three bushel. You know, so you look at $14 beans, $28 for four sixty investment. Okay, what if they're nine dollar beans at eighteen dollar invest? You know, eighteen dollar return for four fifty, four sixty product. Yeah. I mean, the thing just year in year out. Like don't I said, you think it's, products, it's, don't it's, you think it's more likely we're going to be closer to seventeen, eighteen? These guys are going to be they're making so much money this year. These these beans, and then none of the extreme ag guys want to agree with me because they still have to play the poor farmer thing. Matt, just let's be realistic here. They're going to be selling like eighteen dollar beans come October, November, aren't they? Well, if we're selling eighteen dollar beans, that means we're raising twenty bushel beans across the country. You know, so that that's the devil's advocate is is, you know, high prices don't always cure high prices. Yeah. And if we have high prices, that means we have some sort of controversy in the market. So, um, as much as I love to see fourteen dollar beans, fifteen dollar beans, it means there's something that is creating controversy in the market. So, um, that's the unfortunate thing. Well, it sounds like we are going to be 14, even though I said 18 or whatever, but 14 bucks, like you said, that's a $28 return. It cost me $4.62, I think is what you said. So $4.60 to make 28 bucks, I'm going to do that every day of the week. What have we not covered? What do I need to know if I want to be a plant growth regulator user? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the biggest, biggest key for me is is whether it's in furrow uh, or early, you know, early foliar with, with MagaGrow reproductive timing with inertia don't get those two crossed up but if we're 90 plus degrees with any plant growth hormone i don't care what it is or who sells it if you're 90 plus degrees and you're making applications can't have mega you cannot have a pgr in the tank okay Uh, so so the main thing is we can't we can't apply this over the top when it's hot correct because that's, that's the big that's the big caution statement you know is is you know these products are extremely consistent but when we get over that 90 degree mark, that, I mean, we should be spraying herbicides to begin with, right? I mean, spraying herbicides at 90 plus degrees, you limit the ability of that herbicide to work in the plant. Um, but especially so when a PGR is in the mix. I mean, you can absolutely take a plant negative uh, with yeah. a PGR. So if it's going to be 90 during the day, but it's down at 70 and I can get out really first thing in the morning or even evening, um, is it going to work then? Or is it still going to be a problem because it's hot during the day? I'd rather, I'd rather wait. I really would. I mean, 90 is that threshold where uh, if you wait a week later and we've got that data to support that, that if we waited a week later uh, and make an application when, even if it's in the upper eighties, it's still a positive yield. So the timing is not near as critical with, with these plant growth hormones, 
the critical thing is is not spraying when it's super hot out. Yeah, so it's not as though you have no choice because the plants right. at a certain point you, you right. could have done it four days ago when it was only eighty one degrees. Or something is what you're telling That's me. That's correct. Lee, uh, you're a pioneer in this uh, space. You were using plant growth regulators. You know, you were right after the celery producers and the uh, and the specialty crop guys. Uh, last thought on plant growth regulators on the way out the door. If you haven't tried them, you should be because, yeah, because you- it becomes it's it's. You said it is standard practice across all acres of Luber's farms at this point. Yeah, weather permitting, it is standard practice definitely and because low cost higher return so i think the fact that you've put it across all your acres you got 20 years experience and you specifically said it's standard practice and it's low cost high return i think that's enough said right there his name is matt thompson if they want to learn more about this where do they go uh heftyc.com backslash naturals heftyc.com slash naturals my other guest here is Lee Lubers. Lee Lubers is one of the founding members of Extreme Ag. Please go to extremeag.farm for all the great content we are creating. We're up to like 60 plus podcasts, not to mention all the stuff we recorded at Commodity Classic. That's right. If you were not able to make it to Commodity Classic, we bring it to you. Me and my production man, Will Ostet was uh, running around with me and we recorded so much great stuff, hours and hours of stuff while we were at Commodity Classics. So any topic you want to learn more about, go to extremeag.farm and you'll see it there, especially from the great stuff we got from Commodity Classic, bringing it to you. Please share this with your friends and tell others what we're doing here at Extreme Ag. Till next time, Matt Thompson, Lee Lubers, I'm Damian Mason. Thanks for being here, guys. That's a wrap for this episode of Cutting the Curve, but there's plenty more. Check out ExtremeAg.Farm, where you can find past episodes, instructional videos, and articles to help you squeeze more profit out of your farm. Cutting the Curve is brought to you by Advanced Drainage Systems, the leader in agriculture water management solutions.